Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Iron Works Podcast. I'm Pastor Tyler. And I'm Zach. And we are really glad to have you all back with us today. We are beginning a new series today that is going to be a little longer than some of the other ones we've done about a very important aspect of the Christian life. We're going to be talking about the Trinity. The Trinity. So, Zach, uh, when you start talking about the Trinity... You get a, a range of responses from people, even from those who, who believe it. And I think it they tend to range from dread <laughs> at the thought of talking about this to uh, indifference. Like, okay, is this really necessary? Is really this really important? Um, so I was just going to ask, I mean, you grew up in the church, obviously. So what, what has been your experience with learning about the Trinity in church, in your house, in theology class? Like, what has been your experience with this doctrine? Yeah, with the Trinity, I think it was always something that you were. T- I was never not taught it. Everyone always said, "Hey, this is this is who God is, and this is how you know He's. This is what He explains about Himself in Scripture." And we were all taught that, and we were explained, you know, the little diagram with you know God, Jesus is is not the Father, and the Father is not the Spirit, but the Spirit is God, and Jesus is God, and the Father is God. You know, so we were we were explained all those things. I don't think I think a lot of times the explanation was very like this is the way it is. And you're going to have to kind of accept that because we can't really understand it and we're not going to really get into it. That's kind of, that's the way it was explained. And I don't mean that like in a, in necessarily a bad way. I think it was just expected that, look, like this is a hard thing and you need to accept it on faith. I don't always remember that it really got unpacked all that much. And I, I've definitely heard some people say, um, and these, these weren't like my pastors or whatever, but you'd hear maybe some people that were teaching that were just like a visiting teacher or somebody that you'd hear around in the church. And you'd hear things like, you know, we weren't, we're not really supposed to understand this. We're just supposed to accept it or, uh, yeah. you know, those kinds of things, which I like less. And, and then, you know, as I got older and I learned more and I was, I came into contact with, you know, more and more pastors and, and was encouraged, like you can go you know, you can, you can study theology. Like you can learn these things. You can do this. Right. Um, that's when I really kind of dug into things a little bit more. And it's even been part of my time here at the, at the church, you know, as an elders, you, you kind of give us all reading and, and kind of have us all going through and learning more and stuff, which I think is really good and healthy for us. So, um, that's been something that I've really been almost, you know, boning up on and reading up on more and more over the last, I'd say probably five to 10 years. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think it, the thing that sticks out for me is that it was always taught as true, but I don't know that it was always, um, like unpacked. <laughs> right. Know, all the way. It, 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 it's one of those, uh, I heard somebody say one time that if you try to understand the Trinity, you'll lose your mind. But if you try to deny the Trinity, you'll lose your soul. Mm. And uh, that's where many people are content to leave it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I grew up in a great, strong Christian church and we learned about the Trinity and you know, even even songs like Father, I Adore You. Remember that one? When you'd sing it in a round, Father, yes, I uh-huh. Adore You. And then Jesus, I Adore You. Spirit, I Adore You. Um, I mean, even right, that is exactly Trinitarian. You're singing about the Holy Trinity. And uh, it's it's always been taught as essential. And anybody that wants to come along and deny the Trinity, it's been a litmus test for heresy. And I think it's a good litmus test for heresy because I've never yet met a Bible teacher who denies the Trinity that does not also have some other strange things going on. Um, but uh, it also has this attitude of, 
Oh goodness, we're talking about the Trinity today. It's like, oh, it's, I mean, it's better, really actually very rare to hear up. to hear folks preach on the Trinity. Uh-huh. I think guys are really good on the Christology part of the Trinity, meaning they'll talk about Jesus is God and man. Um, he's one with the Father, but he's distinct from the Father. A very Gospel of John heavy hmm. Trinity. But I don't know that uh, a lot of folks have really, really spent a lot of time digging into the meat of the Trinitarian doctrine. And I think there's also an attitude that you'll never understand it. You're never going to get it. And you need to just accept it and believe it, even though it doesn't make any sense. And I don't like that because what is bound up in that is an acknowledgement that this is a nonsensical doctrine. When in reality, this is the this is the foundation of what we believe as Christians. Well, there's kind of a silent, like a, the shrug is silent <laughs> in there, right? Where it's like, you know, meaning what I mean by that is like we say... Yeah, this is important, but you know, shrug, you're never really going to get it. And I think that's like a, um, like you said, it, it's basically saying that God told us something that he didn't, you know, then why did God put it in the Bible then? <laughs> you know what I'm yep. saying? Like if God, if God gave it to us, why does he not want us to understand it? Now I'm not trying to claim there's all kinds of mysteries of God, right? Like I'm not trying to claim that you and your puny human mind are going to be able to always fully comprehend what is the height and the breadth and the depth, right? I, I get that. I, I'm not saying that it should be as simple as, you know, a math problem, but what I am saying is that we should try, I think is what I'm saying. Yes. Right? Like, and I'll even say, not only should you try, but you can, mm-hmm. you can get this. And, and I, I'm going to, we're going to spend like seven weeks here, I think, going through this because this is such an important doctrine. But I'll also say, guys, this is like one of the most rich, deep, like awesome corners of theology where your, your fingertips really start to reach up and, and touch heaven in a, in a, I mean that in a uh, illustrative way, you know, I'm not trying to be crazy mystical here, but like you really start to get up against the edge of your human reason not beyond reason, but you, it's really more you have uh, an encounter with something that is so far beyond yourself that the only thing that is to be done is to bow down and worship. And that's, that's really the goal of all theology is to worship the Lord Jesus. One of the Cappadocian fathers, I, I want to say it was Gregory of Nazianzus, I could be wrong on this, but has a beautiful quote where he says, when I start to contemplate the oneness of God, I'm amazed, but I almost immediately I'm transported to considering the threeness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then as I do that, I'm brought right back. And he, he describes this motion of worship and adoration of, of the living God. And uh, this is, this is in, I mean, other than the gospel, this is the distinctive doctrine of the Christianity. And not, even, you know, I don't, you, it's different from the gospel in one sense, but in another sense, it's not because the gospel is completely nonsensical apart from the doctrine of the Trinity. But I mean, Zach, Muslims don't believe in the Trinity and Jews don't believe in the Trinity. And yet we're the three great Abrahamic religions that are supposed to be like, you know, we really, this is a very common trope here in the world, yeah. right? That, that uh, Jews and Muslims and Christians basically believe the same thing. I don't see why they can't just get but, along. But we don't. But <laughs> what distinguishes us from those other two and from every other religion in the world is that we believe in a triune God. And isn't that, shouldn't we be defending more vigorously the things that distinguish us as Christians rather than trying to brush those things aside isn't that like really I've important? never I've never liked um I don't even like the mild like because what this is is it basically becomes like ecumenical language right or like interfaith language of like oh we're the three great monotheistic religions and I always want to kind of throw something and say like we're not part we're not part of a club that doesn't make you part of a club 
Mm-hmm. You know, there is no, there is no, like Christians are not just monotheists. We're, we're, we believe in the Trinity and that's, that's a hundred percent different from those other two things. We don't, there, there are more differences between us and Judaism or us and Islam than there are similarities. So, so I, yeah, I absolutely agree that I think it's important. And I think, um, and I'm not getting ahead of us, but I think we'll talk about uh, through this whole series that actually I, I believe that the Trinity ends up being like, it's a crucial thing to understand as you're discussing things with other faiths because th- they need to understand the difference between you. Yeah. You know, and the Trinity is one of the, one of the big ones. Um, I think also it's, it's like, well, we, we're, we'll talk about many, many reasons why it's important, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea to minimize this in an effort to look like other people or put other people at ease. You know, mm-hmm. we wouldn't, right. we wouldn't want to do that about any doctrine. No. And, and I, I also just love talking about this, hmm. and I, I am convinced that every Christian can get this and understand it and, uh, and to stand firm on it. And I think that there have been attempts to try to minimize the doctrine of the Trinity, like you said, for so-called ecumenical reasons. Like, let's just have unity together. But, you know, if, if we're going to start getting to things like the Trinity to take that apart and say, now we need to have unity around this, then my goodness, we're no longer talking like Christians anymore. Now we're just yes. becoming uh, part of the blob of, of everything else. So uh, you can also say that there is no cultic group that does not mess with the doctrine of the Trinity. You don't find Trinitarian cults. Isn't that interesting? You don't find huh. fringe Christian groups like Mormonism, et cetera, you know that, that hold to a strong Trinitarian theology, which ought to tell that, us something. Yeah, now that you mention that, that's actually accurate. You think about the, the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons or... Um, you know that that all kind of that becomes one of the first things that we that we do, that that gets tinkered with theologically and then moves yeah, into more even and if more, that's not their know? major emphasis right like, it's just that they just you know, assume huh we've no, said in a previous series that very true. often uh, fringe groups want to mess with the law of Moses yes uh, it's also the nature of Jesus and the doctrine of the Trinity so uh, we're going to talk about this and I want to give you a little bit of encouragement at the beginning you can get this you can understand this uh, you at the very least the facts that make up the doctrine of the Trinity, you are able to grasp. Mm. And then you get to spend the rest of your life pondering the mystery as it has been revealed to you. And we're gonna we're gonna spend time going through the scripture together. We're gonna go through the history of it. Uh, today, we're really gonna get into the doctrine of the Trinity, just defining it, of what it is. Uh, because I found a lot of times, people's problems with the doctrine of the Trinity result from uh, not really understanding what the doctrine of the Trinity is. I've met folks that have said, I've always always thought that Trinitarianism was heresy or I thought it was terrible. Uh, but then I actually talked to one and I realized what they actually said. And I, I realized, oh no, no, this is actually this is actually right. And if you don't get all these pieces together, uh, then what you need to understand is that the doctrine of the Trinity is a very finely tuned, very delicately balanced set of, of definitions. Yes. And when you start to mess with it, it starts to fall out of whack. And uh, I think, unfortunately, we can talk a little negatively here. One reason that I'll say many pastors, for example, don't want to talk about the Trinity, Zach, is because they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. And some theologically astute YouTube commenter is going to jump down their throat yeah. when they maybe never intended to make the statement that they accidentally fell into. Um but I mean, is, have you ever encountered that? Like kind of, you know, you, you start getting all these definitions, like maybe I should just shut up about this because it's too important and I don't want to you know, be a that, heretic. I think that goes deeper than the Trinity. I think there's many, many theological things that some guys just kind of shrug and say, well, 
if I say anything, someone's going to disagree with me. And so I'm not going to say anything, which I don't think is a good reason, but I understand that. Um, the Trinity, like you said, especially is a lot of definitions and they're very important definitions and they're very specific and particular, right? There's particular language associated with the Trinity. You have to be... You, yeah, we're going to get into that about like you say this, not this. Right, like you take it. a lot of care and there's there's creeds and definitions around it. And, and yes, I think there are some people that sometimes aren't even really arguing in good faith. I think sometimes it feels like they're just kind of like dunking where it's like you and me both know that that guy's a Trinitarian guy. Like, hey, hey, like yeah. maybe maybe <laughs> slow down. You know that that's not what he was trying to say. Or oh, you, you said separate, not distinct. You're a heretic. It's right. Like, well, hold on a minute. It's like Is that what ought, he meant? <laughs> or you ought to know, right? That you ought to give him the charity of knowing that he was trying to express an important doctrine and and maybe that the one word he chose on the fly was not the word that you should have used. So yeah, I think that we, when we discuss things like this, it's important that we give that to each other, that we not like try and bite at each other's words, but we say, okay, wait, what are we trying to get to? We're trying to express this doctrine, this important, important doctrine. And I think we've got to give each other the, the grace to talk about it together. But I also, to be fair, Tyler, I think we also need to be careful when we discuss it i think that i think that it's important you know i always say to young guys who are maybe approaching teaching for the first time if if we were just talking about this actually before we turn the microphones on if you are approaching the pulpit and there isn't a little bit of a you know a little bit of a gulp you know a little bit of a okay I, i gotta take this seriously on anything you're teaching I think you might not have the right idea, right? So especially when you come to teach something as important as the Trinity, I think it's fair for there to be a bit of a, a, a hesitation. Uh, well, maybe hesitation is not the right word. See, I'm editing myself. Uh, I think there's there's a maybe a pause, a moment of, hey, this is witty. Reverence, this is- just like, we're, we're, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say something needs to be very precisely right. said. But that shouldn't stop you. No, I, I read a book recently that I really enjoyed the book. And he was engaging with a position that up to this point I had not had any problem with. And uh, he pointed out... Um, some, it was a book about the Trinity. He pointed out some shortcomings in this other guy's position. I'm like, ah, you know, that's very interesting. But his next move was to say, therefore he has denied this aspect of the Trinity. Therefore he's a heretic and he's preaching heresy. And I was like, slow down though, because I don't think that's what he's trying to say. I think rather than coming out guns blazing, Mm. what you should have said was, I know that this guy has a desire to maintain the doctrine of the Trinity. I think if, and he also is trying to use it to make this point. I don't know if he can use it to make that point. And uh, I think that here's, here's why. And maybe as I was going through it, I'm like, I think that maybe there's a way to reframe what person A is trying to say to satisfy person B's uh, concerns. Right. Problem is if you come out and saying you've, you've, you know, ruined the doctrine of eternal generation of the sun or whatever, then it's like, okay, now we're really in, in uh, areas of serious conflict and serious, uh, serious debate. And, and I think that causes the average pastor, shall we say, mm-hmm. or the average home fellowship leader to <laughs> yeah. not want to talk about this because I know if I get this wrong, I'm a heretic. I, I believe it, but I, maybe it's just best not to talk about it so that I don't wind up in that category. So hopefully what we get through here will allow you to understand the concepts and speak about it with comfort. I do think there is room to uh, learn and to actually get it right. I mean, going back to things like don't call the Holy Spirit it. I mean, that's the most basic one, right? But if somebody comes up to me Mm -hmm. and they say, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit was just in the room and I just, I, I love the Holy Spirit. It's such a great thing. I know what they're saying. 
And as a pastor, I'm going to correct them and say, no, no, he's such a great thing. But I'm not going to say, how dare you right, right, right. blasphemy? It's, I, there's a training process, and there, mm-hmm. there has to be a little bit of good faith on both sides here. You know, when we, we talk about uh, social Trinitarianism or when we talk about the monarchy of the Father, some of these issues that are being debated, like there, there has to be a little wiggle room to even have the conversation, assuming that the other person is on board with what you're doing. So maybe this right. is a little broader issue than what we need to get to in this one, but... Um, you know, we're going to talk about the Trinity and maybe we will stumble in our words as we go through hmm. this, but we're going to do our best to get it right and uh, to help you understand what you're talking about and uh, go through each of the pieces of the definition here and over the next few weeks so that we can know, all right, what what are we really talking about? And then when we start evaluating things like heresy, we start evaluating things like, is somebody losing their salvation over this? We start evaluating which of these pieces are they are they threatening? And if not, then maybe we can calm down and have a more rational discussion about it. So, <laughs> all right. So let's start out by uh, giving the definition of the Trinity. And, and Zach, I mean, growing up, popular Christianity, what would you say is the average just, you know, layman's level definition of what the Trinity is? God is one God in three persons. Bada bing. Right? Right. Yeah. And that is absolutely right. And those three persons are the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what I also like to add to that is that you can also say it say it differently is that there are three persons in one God, uh-huh. and uh, you know that it is both of those things. And when we did a series on the Trinity, uh, I called it three and one because it's not just three in one; it's one in three. Mm-hmm. And you can say it both ways, but um, some for some reason uh, we don't really grasp that so much because we are we've very well learned the idea of there being one God, and we're afraid that if we say, well, you know, God is also three persons, that that kind of sounds like polytheism, but it, it's not. Mm. That we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and uh, that's what we call the Trinity. So let's take each piece of this. There's several pieces, uh, really three that you need to have, and that's not on in purpose. I'm not trying to be clever with the three parts of the Trinitarian doc, doctrine, but uh, the basic thing is that, number one, Zach, there is one God. That That's the foundation that the, the Bible gives us, right? Not three gods. There are not three gods. Right. There is one God. So those of you who maybe have been raised in a different tradition and have been taught that uh, Trinitarians believe in three gods and they are polytheists, this is what Islam, if I'm not mistaken, accuses yes. Christianity of, right? Right. We are not polytheists. We are vehemently to the death, not polytheists. We believe in one God. And this is the a, the foundation that the Bible gives us. To, uh, next time we're going to look at what the Bible says and support all of these things. But what this means, Zach, is that there is only one being in the entirety of existence that has the characteristic of deity. Mm-hmm. That's that's the basic. That's why we call ourselves monotheists, although we are, of course, Trinitarian monotheists. So, right. I mean, that's what the Bible teaches, right? Yeah, and I think, so, like you're saying, there's only one being, so that means that we're not, not only are we not polytheists, I mean, there's not lots of gods, but we're also not, like, pantheists, or, you, you know, we're not, what, what's the one that it's not, they don't believe God's in everything, but, like, everything is God. A pantheism, and there's panentheism, yeah, which I, is I, God I, is in everything. There we go, yeah, I always get those mixed up. So, we're, we're none of those things, right? And and we're, we believe that there is a, a being called God. A not, single being. Right. right. And that's that's important. Um, and, and that's and you have to say a being because that's well, well, well no spoilers later on it'll be important that we say a being right um, so so yeah that's that's the basic kind of starting point yeah Athanasius gives us 
the the creed. We'll talk about Athanasius in a little bit here, but mm. Athanasius is the one who gives us the famous Trinitarian creed. It's called the Athanasian Creed, and it actually was written by Athanasius and then added to by the Cappadocian Fathers later, and that's what has been agreed upon and is still understood today as the Athanasian Creed. Uh, but the, the sum up statement that he gives is we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. And that word substance is what we're after here. This is a Latin word, substantia, and and it, it ha- defined as the, the essential nature of something. Another term is essence. When you're in Trinitarian conversation, substance and essence are used interchangeably. One author will use the word essence. Another one will use the word sub- substance. It's the same thing. I tend to use substance more, uh, but it's really the same thing. So, Zach, you are human, mm-hmm. which means your substance, your essential nature is that of humanity. Mm-hmm. And you are, you're a man. I have that same substance, right. but you and I are not the same. We are That's two correct. distinct entities. <laughs> right. So are you, listener, and the person in the car with you or the person in the other room and your kid? Like There are lots of entities that have the substance of humanity. Mm-hmm. There are a billion gazillion trees on the earth that have the substance of a tree, and dogs have the substance of a dog. However, there is only one being in all of existence that has the substance of God. And, you know, in certain theologies, I think of guys like Michael Heiser, uh, who love to use the word divine a little more freely. Uh, They refer to the angels as like the divine beings, and they're not using it in terms of God. They're using that in terms of higher than humanity, Mm -hmm. like in in the heavenly places, divine beings. Um, But even he would agree with us on this. When we say divine, referring to God alone, there is only one God. And, And Zach, I mean, you... You can't stress this enough that we only have one God that we worship, especially if you're going to try to do evangelism with a, a Jew or a Muslim. I mean, they're not even going to give you the time of day. Or a Hindu, if you, yeah. or, you know, like but I mean, a Hindu of, yeah. might right. might say, okay, whatever, believe whatever you want about right, God. That's true. But yeah. you know, a, a a Jew or a Muslim, they're not even going to give you the time of day if you're not going to affirm the fact that there's only one God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and that's why that's why I'm hesitant sometimes to go along with people who want to make a big deal out of the fact that Christianity is one of the, you hear like the the three great monotheistic religions and understand again, trying to be charitable. I understand what they're saying there. Yes, that is true. We believe in one God. That's correct. But a lot of times what they're, what they're saying there is like, see these three religions that they are all kind of worshiping the same. You hear, well, you know, Christianity and Islam and Judaism, they're kind of all worshiping the same God, but that's not true, right? We are, we are all worshiping a single entity, but the the God that Christianity worships is different in, you know, he, he, he is different. We understand him to be different than what they're saying he's like. So that I tend to, I don't know, push like, it's not enough to just affirm that God is one. No, right? it is you know? not. I mean, but but we do. We That's do true. affirm That's that true. God is one. I mean, Deuteronomy 6, right? Is, Behold, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. There is one God. And uh, that sounds super basic, but we have to affirm this because everything that we're going to say following this right. is under the umbrella of only one God. So that's point number one. Point number two, which is really a three-part point here, uh, is that there are three persons that com- that compose the Godhead. The Godhead comprises three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So to break it down three ways, we believe that God the Father, as the Bible describes him, is God, 
right? And that's that's unavoidable. The Bible says that the Father is God, and that's kind of the baseline. Anything beyond this is when you start to get into real Christianity here. But uh, when Jesus talks about the Father, or when just generically the Bible uses the term God, the person about whom it is speaking in Trinitarian language is called Father God. Mm. And um, this is the kind of undisputed one. I don't know that there's many people that want to come in and say the Father was not really God. Uh, There's some that want to say the Father God of the Old Testament is not the same as the Father God of the New Testament, but that's a whole other conversation, but that the Father is, is God. Second truth the Bible gives us is that Jesus Christ is God. Now, Zach, that can be a controversial statement, unfortunately, even among Christian circles, but it shouldn't be. Yeah, that's, that's like our you, baseline. Yeah, it is. That's, this is where you already start to come into controversy. Now, the people we come into controversy with would be the people that don't accept the deity, you know, the deity of Christ, which is a central, I mean, guys, if Jesus is not, Paul says, if Jesus isn't, if Jesus isn't God, like, what are we doing? Right. Um, but you, you know, yeah. So what would they say? They would say, no, no, Jesus, Jesus isn't God. Jesus was a man who was elevated to, to know, deity, to, right? to, to God. Adoptionism is what that's called. Right. Or, or no, Jesus isn't God. He's just a really good example of what we should follow, but he's a man. This, this would be, you're more like very, very liberal Yeah. to the point of Mainline not, they're, they're not, yeah, they're, they're not truly it's it's heretical at that point, right? Like you're just teaching that Jesus is just a man. Yeah, if Jesus was only a man, yeah. Right. Or or, or you'd. What are some of the other ones? Help me out. Where it's oh, like there's you, some that believe that Jesus is a is a created being, but uh-huh. he's the highest of created being. Like you're doing him a favor, you know. Right. Like, there important. was a time when there was no Jesus. He was created, but you know there he is. And uh, you know there's some who you know, Nestorians who believe that Jesus like wore humanity as a mask for a while and and he's all he's only god and not man i mean that, that's a whole other you know heresy to Part deal with but i mean the bible yeah. says that jesus the man christ jesus we're assuming his humanity because that's what our culture tends to do but uh we are also know that he was god the entire confession of thomas at the end of john if uh-huh. you read the gospel of john which is such a great literary work it, it's all building up uh, and the question is who is jesus who is he where does he come from who is jesus and then it all builds up at the end when Thomas, the apostle, says, my Lord and my God, that Thomas confessed Jesus as God. That's what it's all building up to. There are passages in scripture, which we'll get into uh, next time, that talk about the Granville Sharp rule that Jesus is called our Savior and our God. Um, we believe that Jesus is God. The Bible teaches that. The Son is God. And the third piece of the second point here is that the Holy Spirit is God. There's a whole other conversation that you need to have about the fact that the Holy Spirit is personal, which we believe also, but the Holy Spirit is is the Spirit of God, right? It, Jesus calls him another helper, another like myself that will come and give this to you. Uh, in Acts chapter 5, it says that uh, Ananias and Sapphira had lied to the Holy Spirit, and then in the next verse, it says they had lied to God, and uh, equating the two in that way, that the Holy Spirit is God. And, um, you know, not just a force, not just God's power, not just God's love, right? You ever run into that that kind of thing, Zach? That Not only run you know, into, I, I, this is the one, you know, we've been going like down the list of like, so I think most people would, agree, like you said, almost everybody, shoot, we, we probably agree with uh, Jews on that God the Father is God, right? They're like, yes, it says there, like, you know, Adonai Echad, right? But then we would, we would disagree with them about Jesus, and we might even disagree with some people who'd call themselves Christians. But then I think there's, just through neglect, not, not always through, like, I don't think intentionally, but just through neglect of teaching about the Holy Spirit, there are many, many, many Christians that would say some things that I, they don't intend to push the Holy Spirit out of the Trinity, but it can functionally happen that way when they, like you said, when they talk about him as with the wrong pronouns, 
You know, okay. pronouns are really big now, right? Well, well the Holy Spirit has pronouns. Yeah, he cares he about them. Personal. Yeah, pronouns. personal pronouns. <laughs> he, right? The Holy Spirit Masculine said pronouns. the Holy Spirit, you know, in uh, what are some of the ones that happen in the book of Acts all the time? Well, the, the Holy Spirit speaks. Yeah, like he, he said, and then the Holy Spirit said. Right, yeah. You know, comma, quotation mark, the Spirit is talking, right? So, uh, yeah, we believe that the Holy Spirit is God, just like we believe that Jesus, the Son, is God. It's like that we believe that God, the Father, is God. And uh, now... The the tricky bit here is, wait a minute, I thought we said there's only one God. Well, there is only one God, but the Bible reveals to us that God the Father is God, God the Son is God, and God the Spirit is God. So this is this is kind of when you're trying to build the definition here, you, you build it, okay, there's only one God. And then you come along and say, all right, these three distinct persons are identified as God. So the question becomes, how are we going to... Uh, I guess you might say reconcile this information and this evidence that the Bible is giving us. Now, a simple solution to this uh, that some have fallen into is to say, well, the, the descriptions of these three as God, we already know that God is one. Therefore, they must all be the same person. That God, uh, the Father, <laughs> is God the Son, and well, God the Son is God the Spirit, and it's just different ways of talking about it. And there's really a number of different heresies that have fallen into this. Uh, Sabellianism, or what's uh, commonly called modalism, is one of these. Uh, the belief that God is sometimes the Father, and sometimes the Son, and sometimes the Spirit. I'll never forget, I was actually accosted outside of a Barnes & Noble by these people. And um, what's the group, the, the cult from South Korea? Help me out. Oh, the, the Moonies. The Moonies, right? I think. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, they were that. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. tell me what group they were part of. But, oh, I remember. We used to meet uh, these people at Barnes & Noble all the time yeah. in Lynchburg. Yeah, like, yeah, like I had lot. one really long conversation and with these Target. people. <laughs> and they were asking, they were, they were trying to prove to me that God had a wife, of mm -hmm. all things. And they said, you know, uh, we will make man in our image. Well, who could that be? And I said, well, we believe in the Trinity. And they go, well, yeah, we believe in the Trinity too. You know, sometimes God's a father and sometimes he's the son and sometimes he's a spirit. I said, no, no, you very specifically do not understand the Trinity. <laughs> right. That is not what we believe. And this is the simplest thing in the world to prove that Jesus and the father and the spirit are not the same person. Uh, first of all, who is Jesus praying to exactly? Right. Right, Zach, Jesus would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. So what was he doing? Is he or, talking to himself or is he, you know? I, I suppose yeah. that's what you'd be required to believe if you fall into this, right? Or when Jesus said, I will go to the Father and then we will send the Holy Spirit to you. Yeah, it's talking about all three members of the like as different people. Yes. It's, it's pretty expressly. Right. I mean, in John 1, 1, it says uh -huh. that in the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, the Logos, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we're supposed to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that they're very clearly described as as three. And this is the simplest way to look at this. So every piece of evidence I've just put out in front of you, uh, this is the natural reading of Scripture. Number one, there is only one God. Easy. Number two, there are three persons who are called God in the Bible. And number three, these three are not the same person. That's that's how we arrive at this. So tomorrow, this is, this is the next data, time, right? These are the data. Yeah. yeah. Next time we will look at the uh, we'll look at the text itself. But this is the short version. Okay. So we have one God, three persons identified as God, and these three persons are not the same. Therefore, what we arrive at is the definition of the Trinity, one God in three persons. That there is one substance, one entity that has the the nature of God, but there are three. The Greek word is hypostases. There are three persons. There are three, uh, the, 
the technical term is subsistences here. Uh, but we're just going to use the, the term persons because these are personal subsistences. So, Zach, you are have the substance of a human and right. are one person. I am. Okay, so am I. If I'm mentally healthy. Well, <laughs> no, but what in that case you need help. You're right, not, exactly. You're not actually multiple persons. No, but that's but that's right? the point, right? Is yeah. that we you you only have ever and this is an important point, right? Because this is where it can start where the Trinity can start to cook your noodle a bit. But it's important to start, like you said, with what we do understand and move to what is a little harder for us. The reason why it can cook your noodle is that you're a per, like you said you are one. You've always ever only experienced being one substance. Right. This is I. I am. I am a human. This is who I am. That's all I have any experience. A single person, single substance. Right. And you've only ever experienced being a single person. Well, I'm me. I'm not you. Right. And the two of us are not the same the, thing. Uh, yeah. We're not this. We're not our like. We're not some being together. We're even even with the people that you're closest to in your life. With your wife, you're still two people. Right. Yes. You're, and you're two different. Meaning, entities yeah meaning you can disagree meaning you can but but that's not what we're talking about when we talk about the trinity no we're, the trinity is three persons in one substance right yeah that's what athanasius said i'm going to keep coming back to it we worship one god in trinity mm -hmm. and trinity in unity neither confounding the persons which means we don't confuse the father and the son and the holy spirit right or dividing the substance meaning we don't say well there are there are three gods or there are three like pseudo gods that all come together or and they're each or they're sharing godhood somehow like where jesus is a part of god and 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 or, or right or, jesus has a third of deity right and the father has a third and that. That. no 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 and in fact if you actually go through and read that whole athanasian creed it kind of covers all the bases it's like well this is actually pretty good th there's a reason it's very you know, finely tuned his Historically, this came up. This is like when we talked about the remember when we talked about the canon and we talked about how everybody accepted the canon. And then all of a sudden some people started saying, wait, we don't accept the canon. And then they had to define the canon because yep. because of the encroachment of these heretical people saying, wait, we disagree. And they said, well, hang on, guys, we actually need to like we need to hammer out what what we actually are all saying so that we can be very clear and defend the doctrine against people who are disagreeing the same correct me if i'm wrong tyler but historically i'm pretty sure the same kind of thing process happened with the trinity that's exactly where, the same that's what, what happened with most of our doctrines yeah where and, and this it is, had to go wrong before we could clearly define it and i want to be very careful explaining that because a lot of people who are very bad historians and very bad theologians will misuse that to tell you oh there have been many christianities there, there's always this is um, yeah. a big uh, who's the guy that we don't that like we should, uh, Bart um, Ehrman that that's we right. should speak of orthodoxies <laughs> right. and, not and, and, orthodoxy and, and if you if you want to learn more about this you should read The Heresy of Orthodoxy which is a fantastic book that's talking about how basically this process that actually there has always been one orthodoxy from the beginning of the church and then typically orthodoxy would need to get hammered out and defined in opposition to heresies that would kind of arise like little mushrooms. And then those heresies would get stamped out and die away because it was clear that they differed from the truth. Yeah. And the Trinity is kind of this area where you've got Athanasius saying, wait, we need to, we need to define our terms. If you've ever taken like a debate class or a logic class, yeah, they'll say, people nope. seem to have forgotten this aspect of debates. Well, these yes. days. <laughs> they'll say, right. you know, no, excuse me, define your terms. What does define your terms mean? It says, hey, you can't just use the words anyway. You've got to, what do you mean by? Yeah. And so now, Athanasius, of course, now we say it's not my job to educate you right, <laughs> rather than define our terms. Athanasius <laughs> did the job of saying, I'm going to, I am going to work and work and pray and pray and study and study through this so that we have a set of definitions. 
that we can either agree to if we ratify this doctrine, or we can say, no, I'm I'm off here. I don't agree with that. Yeah, I'm going to tell that story here. It's a mm-hmm. it's a longish story, but it's a good one. Well, it's um, important. But uh, uh, just before we move on, let me affirm one more time. What do Trinitarians believe? We believe there is one God. Mm-hmm. There are three distinct persons. Right. So one God, three persons who are God. These persons are distinct from one another, and yet they are one. So you and I have only ever encountered single person uh, single entities. God is a triple personed substance that makes him greater than us. It doesn't make him nonsense. It means he's greater than we are. And we are actually inferior to him. Not, not as he nonsensical, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of like a single cell organism scoffing at the idea of there being a multi-celled organism. It's, it's uh, similar in that God is greater than we are. He is three persons, one God. One God in three persons. If you're going to say that there's multiple gods, you're wrong. If you're going to say that there's either one of these persons is not God or that they're really the same person, you're wrong. Now, how was this hashed out historically? Well, like you said, Zach, uh, this was this was not really argued over until it was argued over, uh, because that's kind of the way the way these things go. That uh, in in church history. Christians were teaching these things about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They weren't using the term Trinity, which is not a uh, not a biblical term. You don't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but that shouldn't trip you up. It is the mm. word that the church has arrived at in order to refer to all of the Bible doctrine right. that we uh, that we have that you know all comes together. So, uh, what happened is in Alexandria. This is the early 300s, if I don't get the dates precisely right, there are a few key points that I will get right, but I believe it's early 300s in Alexandria, Egypt. Little fact there for you, Zach. The early church really used to be centered in a lot of ways in Egypt, in Alexandria. In North Africa. In North Africa, yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Oh yeah, not not even like a lot. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, the bishop there was a guy named Alexander and he had a teacher in his church named Arius. And Arius began to teach things that caught Alexander's attention. And Arius was the father of Arianism. When we say Arian in this podcast, we're not talking about the racial group that Hitler liked. We're talking about Arian <laughs> with an I. Yes. And right. uh, what he taught Students was... Students of Arius. Yeah. yeah, he was not a Trinitarian. What he believed was that there's God the Father. Jesus Christ was not God, but he is the highest of all created beings. And he would say things along the lines of, well, you might as well consider Jesus to be God, but he's not God like the Father is God. Uh, that he believed that Jesus was the first created being, mm-hmm. first of all, in importance and in and in uh, time. He had that statement, right, where he said there was a time when Christ was not. Yeah, that was the calling card of the Arian. There right. was a time when he was not, um, which, of course, goes right against John chapter 1. That says, in the beginning was the word, yeah, it's, it's, which it's, is a deliberate callback to Genesis 1, I mean, it's, right? It's, 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 it's totally it's, blasphemous. Yeah, it's wild. To say that Jesus was not from the beginning. Yep. And then he also, although this was less of an issue at the time, it became an issue later, but uh, he also did not believe that the Holy Spirit was divine or personal. He believed that the Holy huh. Spirit was just the the force, the power of God. Never mind the fact that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Never mind the fact that, that the Holy Spirit has a will, that yeah. he speaks, that it yeah. uses personal pronouns, right. all the things we can get into next time. Uh, but he began to teach this, and Alexander, the Bishop of Alexandria, said, uh, I don't think so, pal, and removed him as a teacher. But Arius apparently had a personality that was so charismatic and was just had a way of teaching that people wanted to listen that he began to travel and gather a group of people around 
around him, most uh, especially a guy named Eusebius. This is not Eusebius, uh, the church historian. This is a different Eusebius. We like Eusebius, the church historian. Eusebius of Caesarea is the one we like. The other guy was Eusebius of Nicomedia. And Less this good. guy was trouble <laughs> because he began to teach Arius's doctrines, but he was a bishop in his own right. So the church began to have fights over this. They're like, wait a minute, you guys are introducing things that we have not taught. The church was reacting to the doctrines of, mm-hmm. of Arius. Now, not, not long before this, Constantine, the emperor, had converted to Christianity mm-hmm. and had Christianized the Roman Empire. He had not gone so far as his children were. He had more edict, uh, given the Edict of Toleration, the Edict of Milan from 314 AD. Um, but when this squabble was going on, uh, you, he called together what's called the Council of Nicaea. You may have heard it called the Council of Nicaea, but it comes from the word Nike in Greek, which means uh, victory, in 325 AD. And all the bishops at, at this time, they could do this. They got all the bishops together right. to discuss these things. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was, there's uh, several things that were discussed there. Um, but the main thing was they were going to have a hearing of Arius's doctrines. And so they had, if I'm not mistaken, it was Eusebius, but I don't, I, I, you can double check me on that. But while these, the position paper pretty much was being given, mm. all the bishops that had, were hearing this for the first time, in court, including famously St. Nicholas, right. uh, Santa Claus. That uh, St. Nicholas. Yeah, that right. St. Yeah, yeah. Nicholas. Yeah. Uh, charged the stage, ripped <laughs> the, the sermon out of the guy's hands, ripped it to pieces and stomped on it and rushed him out of the room. Like it was the people that were hearing this for the first time reacted violently. And some people say, oh, they were trying to suppress free thought. No, no, no. They're like, there's a heretic preaching this stuff in churches. Mm. And how can this be? So they settled on something called the Nicene Creed. And that very famously stated that that Jesus Christ is God, very God, light from light, all that. And uh, and it stated that Jesus Christ was homoousios meaning Jesus was the same substance mm-hmm. of the Father, meaning they shared a substance. That, that ousios is the Greek word for substance or essence that we were talking about. And it said the same thing about the Holy Spirit, although, as I said, the Holy Spirit was not uh, not under discussion at the time. The problem was with the Nicene Creed is that not all of the fathers, the church fathers at this time, the bishops that had been at the, the council, were happy with the way they had phrased everything. And and the question was over what that phrase, homoousios. Is it right to say that Jesus is of the same mm-hmm. substance mm-hmm. of the Father? And they, they went into this long debate over, is Jesus of a like substance of the Father or the same substance as the Father? And uh, the debate was, well, we can't say that Jesus and the Father are the same person. That's what they were afraid of, is that you were going to be right. conflating it's the persons, right? Uh-huh. You're confounding uh-huh. the persons. Now, what happened in the meantime, the Arian heresy had been condemned, but the Arians continued to teach, and they even got the ear of Constantine. Yeah. And Eusebius of Nicomedia, believe it or not, became the one who discipled the children of Constantine. He became the one, that heretic from the council, been the one that taught Constantine's kids and he discipled them as Arians and he actually ended up baptizing Constantine before his death which is a tragic ending for what was otherwise a great thing for Christianity when your emperor gets converted you need to have him go through a new believers class stat yeah but not from a heretic right no well but that's kind of what I'm talking about is this was part of even part of the council if I understand and I might be generalizing but part of the council was the issue was that Constantine was literally new to the faith and he was kind of demanding of the bishops like you guys need to tell me which of these is correct because I'm going to enforce this. Well, no, uh, sort of. In a I mean, sense, is it? 
This is yeah, yeah. sort of the case, and but Constantine uh, was not taking a very active hand in the church at this time. Uh-huh. Uh, this, that was more his children that did that. Uh, Constantine, if I remember my, my history correctly, like this issue was coming up, and he he saw it as an opportunity to bring the church together. This is when he famously bowed to the uh, venerated the martyrs, which was a, a big deal. Like he bowed to the martyrs that had been tortured under the previous emperors, and um, was really a high point for the church. But but that is nevertheless what ended up happening. Uh, so when Constantine died, he his three children, con- sons, Constance, Constantine II, and Constantius. You like how he named all his children like after himself? But, it's like George Foreman. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, he, uh, those three are known as the heretic emperors mm. because they began to take a very active hand in the church and began to enforce Arianism upon the church. Now, what... what then happened is it raised the ire of a guy who was also from Alexandria named Athanasius. And Athanasius is one of the heroes of church history who stood strong on Orthodox Trinitarianism on the Nicene Creed when everybody else was debating. Now the problem was they were, they, they were convinced that they were opposed to Arius, but they couldn't quite agree. Is this the best way to phrase it? But Athanasius was a very vocal opponent of Arianism, which made him a very vocal opponent of the emperors. Mm. Athanasius was exiled five times, (laughs) four times by the heretic emperors and once by Julian who came afterwards. But uh, what Athanasius would do is he would go into the desert with all the monks and he would hide among the monks so that he couldn't be killed. Uh, he was had been discipled by Anthony the Great, who was uh, the father of the desert monks, and uh, they were Trinitarians because you're not about to convince a monk of anything weird, man. Like, right. like we're just we live in, wear hair shirts and live in the desert, man. We're just gonna die rather than believe that. But during this time, and I really w- wish I could get more into the history of this here, but I I don't want to just do it off the cuff. Uh, there's lots of great resources you can get. During this time, Athanasius is writing. He's writing things like on the incarnation. He's writing other letters that are being spread throughout the church. And during this time, he is resolving the the trouble that people are having over accepting Nicene Christianity. And this is where he arrives at what we have in the, the Athanasian Creed, the belief that Jesus Christ is of a like substance with the Father, but we must never confound the persons. He is still distinct from the Father. He also affirmed the personality of the Holy Spirit and the human and divine natures of Christ, which would be affirmed later. But the short version is, after while he's resolving all this, Julian becomes emperor, the nephew of Constantine. Julian wanted to take things back to the false gods. He wanted to take things back to uh, Jupiter and and Venus and all the Roman gods. And so what he says is, well, I know that the Christian emperors had a lot of trouble with this guy Athanasius. So what we're going to do is I'm going to let that little troublemaker free again, and he'll mess up the whole church. But what (laughs) Athanasius did is he gathered all the the Christians together in an unofficial and illegal synod, gathering of all the bishops, where he presented pretty much his position, the Athanasian Creed, and it was accepted. And the church resolved itself around Trinitarian Nicene uh, theology, which is why what is often called the Nicene Creed today is actually the Athanasian Creed, because they included the clarifications that Athanasius brought in later. Now, Tyler, I want to make, can I just make a couple, I want to make a couple emphasis here, emphases, I want to emphasize a couple things. Um, the, the, because like we already talked about, there's a lot of, you may have even heard, you're listening to this. Maybe you've even heard some people say things like, oh, well, Christians haven't ever known what they've believed on these things. And they just kind of made it all up over hundreds and hundreds of years. Or you've heard somebody say, oh, there's, there's so many different flavors and versions of, of Christianity and all the doctrines are all different. 
when people say things like that, what they're doing is they're taking very particular and very specific and very technical differences in these discussions that were had, and they're inflating them and blowing them out of proportion in a way that I think is basically dishonest. What do I mean by that? So like you said, Tyler, the, the large portions of the church all agreed in the Trinity. The differences they were having were literally over technical definitions of what words will we use to define the trinity yeah they and felt because, that they felt the nicene creed was imbalanced when it, as originally written and, and because and they, they were all it, believing the same thing yes and because they took these things so seriously they were willing to fight each other you know really go strong you know they they, they, they they're not like nowadays nowadays some of us are a little wishy-washy on doctrine these guys would go hard in the paint they were willing to almost divide over tiny things because they knew getting this right was important now, if you package that and sell it historically as, oh, there have been these many different sects, you're, you're free to do that. But I just think you're you're being dishonest. Yeah. Arianism was the sect. Exactly. The Christians, as I've been trying to emphasize this, and I you know, I started to get into more details and then I pulled back because I realized we we're just going to run out of time. Uh, <laughs> one of these days we'll do the whole thing. But yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing is, everybody agreed Arianism was wrong. Right. But because they could not agree together on a positive way to state this, mm. they debate a homoousios, homoousios. They were really talking past each other, if you go and look past. It. Mm -hmm. uh, but Satan used this rift, more or less, in the yeah. church, this debate to force in through the power of the state mm -hmm. this this heresy that nobody wanted to accept. They were all talking about what they didn't, you know, negatively. They were trying to frame the issue negatively and saying, well, we know this is wrong, but they couldn't come up with a positive statement. And because I think from and what and I that's understand. That's what made Athanasius such a theological genius and a hero right. of the faith, right. is that he was able to come up to that with that positive definition. You want to, might want to say, well, what is it? It's the Trinity. Right. As you understand it today, we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, right. neither confounding the substance or dividing the person. He did a ton of the homework. It's a, it's a huge, long creed yeah. that guards against every uh, improper understanding. This is where, if you read it, it can even be tedious, although I think it's wonderful, where he says, you know, there are there are three, you know, there, there are... Yeah, there's Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but they are one. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's only one, but they are still three. He says it over and over again because he's trying to make sure that the church as a whole, which was holding those things I said before. I said before, one God, three persons, they're not the same person. They held all those truths together, but yes. they did not have a single umbrella to bring it together. Right. And they even like were hesitant to agree to such a definition because they were like, but if we say that, people are going to think that Jesus we and the Father this. are the same person. Right. That's not right. Or they're going to believe that Jesus was only God and not man or mm -hmm. vice versa. And that's not right. Or they're going to believe the Holy Spirit wasn't personal. And so what Athanasius did was bring all that together. And there was more work that was done later by uh, the Cappadocian fathers who were, uh, yeah, you got Basil, the great Gregory of Nyssa and Gregory of Nazianzus. And they, they came later. They came in the, the late 300s and they actually ended up doing more or less for the Trinity what Athanasius did for, for Jesus Christ. And later on, the church centered around the doctrine of the hypostatic union. All within like a, about a hundred years, mm -hmm. they went from this terrible affliction of Arianism to we now have a definition that we've all agreed right. upon. So when Christians dig in their heels on the Trinity, this is why. Yeah. Because it ripped the church to pieces. And yeah. in fact, even a different understanding of the Trinity is what divided East and West. We have... Western Christianity, Protestants and Catholics. Mm -hmm. You have Eastern Christianity, which is Eastern Orthodoxy and Western Christianity. What divided them was uh, the addition of the word filioque to the Athanasian Nicene Creed. 
And that is saying that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. There are a lot of reasons why the East and West divided. Uh, we'll talk about that another time, but um, they were they were willing to divide over the ontology of the Trinity. It's yeah. a big deal. And the church went through a, more than a century of disunity, heretics, you know, even people being arrested and exiled over this issue. And it was only hard won through these, these great men of God. You don't get to come along as some internet memer and say, this thing doesn't make any sense. I'm throwing it out. People much smarter and more godly than you have come up to this and worked this out together. Well, and not only that, but, and again, if, if you want to go deeper on this, I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. I think it's, is it, uh, Kruger's book, Heresy of Orthodoxy, or is that Kostenberger? Uh, Kruger and Kostenberger wrote Heresy of Orthodoxy. I don't think they get into this quite so much. But, well, they do They do kind of explore the uh, idea. The, the, it's more a general broad theme that right. there was broad unity in the early yeah. church. And that's and, kind of what I'm pointing out is like this this idea that it's all been this wonderful tapestry and then it got stamped out by the by those bad, bad men who were just trying to remove... That's not true. What's true is that the church has always held these things and then we've had to refine the way we state them so that we can state them in a way that's clear and without any doubt and without people misunderstanding us. So that's why we're trying to, if it sounds like we're hammering on that, it's important because people who come along and want to deny the Trinity will try and sell you a bill of goods on, well, there's always been people who haven't believed the Trinity and have been Christians. No, that's not true. There's always been heretics who have not agreed with the Trinity, but the church has always held to this. And now some people will also come in and say, well, this is all just a bunch of Catholic stuff. And there, there's some groups that don't well. want to, don't like the Trinity <laughs> is because they, they say, we don't want to, you know, the Reformation never finished. We should have done away with the Trinity too. But I want to remind you, we're talking about the 300s and 400s AD. Right. There was no Catholic at this point. Right. There was only, there wasn't even Eastern Orthodoxy at the point, this stage. It, it was, was just everybody. Early church, yeah. And every subsequent division of the church that has not been some sort of schism or sect or, or some cultic group has affirmed the Trinity. Yeah. Every, every reformer uh, affirmed the Trinity. Of you course. know, the, the Eastern Orthodoxy actually makes that their calling card that we believe in the Trinity more than the Westerners do. So this is not something that is up for debate. And uh, I realize this was kind of turning into a church history podcast for a second. So uh, for those of you that feel like I maybe skipped on some details, I did because I want to I get back to actually the, the discussion at hand. Everett Ferguson has a great two-part history of the church. Uh, volume one is uh, the one that covers the Athanasian story and the Arian controversy, as it's called. But So all of this is is to bring us to where we are today, handing down the same definition that it was handed down all those centuries ago. We worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the substance, or sorry, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. So this is the Trinity, that there's one God, there are three persons, and they are not the same person. That's what Trinitarian doctrine is. And we're going to be getting in, in the subsequent weeks into all the, the depths of this and, and what the ontology of the Trinity is and why we believe it and how the economy works together and how does Jesus's nature uh, come into this. But um, Zach, this is a this is the unique doctrine of the church, and it, it has to do with the gospel and our conception of who God is. How would you say the church today has done in prioritizing the doctrine of the Trinity? Not good. <laughs> um, and and I, again, I want to be clear, like we're not trying to just like, we're not trying to, you know, bash anybody. It's just our experience that this is something that we could use a lot more of in our teaching, in our discussion together. And, and, it, and it shows up in a lot of ways. The one that most impacted me 
And again, I I want to remind you, I've only ever attended, you know, Orthodox, Bible teaching, Trinitarian churches. I've grown up in Calvary Chapel. I've never attended another church, you know, in my whole life. And yet I remember growing up and it always, to me, that where this really hit home for us is it always felt like the Holy Spirit kind of was the stepchild of the Trinity. And I, I say that I don't mean that, you know, in a irreverent way. I mean, like, that's that's how it felt. It felt like the Holy Spirit was the one we just didn't talk about as often. And I don't think anybody intended, if you had asked anybody, are you Trinitarian? They would say, well, well what do you mean? Of course, you know, you know, and they would- Father, just, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, they would defend <laughs> that. However, we talked about the Father a lot. We talked about Jesus a lot. The Holy Spirit kind of got thrown in there once or twice, every once in a while, to the point that, and I, I kind of say this to my, this is not anybody's fault, but mine. I remember reading, I think it was a, my first single volume theology. I think it was from uh, Boyce, James Boyce, who he, he in that book pointed out and James Boyce is, you know, reformed. So it's not, not like some Pentecostal guy, right? But he, in that book points out, he's like, you must, you cannot use it when referring to the Holy spirit. And I remember sitting there in college, reading that book and saying, oh my goodness, how long have I been doing that? Right? right and and not not out of some i didn't want to like de, de you know de, demote the holy spirit in my understanding it's just that i was my natural speech was reflecting the way that i saw the holy spirit i sometimes saw the as holy like spirit the force as, from star wars yes like as, it, as, as an essence as an essence of god just sort of like he's just sort of like when god acts the holy spirit is kind of there when, when he pointed out that he's like no the holy spirit has personal pronouns he is he he acts he does he speaks he goes places like he, you know that's who those holy spirit is and that really it was really a big deal for me i think that that's the, the place that i notice it the most right now in the church is people who they're a little leery of they that don't they crazy... don't really walk and talk like they have a high pneumatology yeah like little... if we believe in the trinity then we believe that the holy spirit is to be worshipped along with the father and the son that's exactly that's, right yes. and nobody would dispute that factually no. in an orthodox church but people are afraid to i i think because they're they don't understand him as well. Yes. I, I think also because they're afraid of being like some Pentecostal church, if, if they don't want to be like oh, that. Oh, I was going to say, let's come right you out know. and say it. I think, and we did, you know, guys, if you're interested in this specifically around the Holy Spirit, we've got a whole conference online that, that goes into all this. And like you, I would really encourage you to check that out because we lay all this out very carefully. I think for a lot of people, they're so worried about what they don't want to be that sometimes it even weakens their trinitarianism a little bit because they're so concerned well i don't want to be like those weirdos over there or i don't i don't want to be you know we're not crazy like them so so we're going to de-emphasize this so important it's like you said it it is our the showcase doctrine of christianity is the trinity and and yet yeah, we're, we're I, so I worried people... about saying it wrong or, or looking weird that, that we're kind of de-emphasizing the Holy Spirit. That's the one I noticed the most. Tyler, is there like an emphasis or a or a way another way that we can miss it? Yeah, there is. I, I want to just comment on that, though. I, I think people forget that if we believe in the Trinity, and we do, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit uh, yes, of God. Yes, yes, right. They are not the same person, but they have the same nature. And the Bible makes it clear that yeah. he's always pointing to it, right? He's, yes, yeah, and yeah. so the idea that I don't want to be around the Holy Spirit because, you know, he's weird, well... <laughs> He's the spirit of Christ. He's, yeah. the, he's the the father's spirit too. So you, you cannot have this, oh, I like this one, but not the other because mm -hmm. the three are one. Mm -hmm. That's when you're kind of walking in a practical polytheism, which is not good. You know, um, I've heard it expressed this way, and I think this is Robert Lethem that gets into this. He's got some good books on the Trinity, but uh, he talks about the Eastern error and the Western error. Hmm. We've been to Russia before, you and I, and um, I'll tell you a fun little story. We... Uh, 
we didn't sneak in. We were welcome, but uh, it freaked everybody out. When I, we were out evangelizing in Vladimir in Russia, and we saw that one of the big cathedrals, beautiful churches over there, man. I mean, really, like nothing you've ever seen. Uh, and we saw that service was starting. So I took my team of four or five high schoolers and said, let's go in there. Can we go in there? I said, yeah, guys, it's a church. It's it's not it's not a witch's hut. Like, it's okay, you know? <laughs> so we went in and it was, I mean, it's all gold and it's super tall. And there was a mm-hmm. glass coffin where some alleged saint had died. And you could see his bones and the guys had their beards and everything. But what is very clear in the iconography, which I do not think is appropriate, but in the iconography and in the, the language of the Orthodox is that they talk an awful lot about the Trinity. And they emphasize that to an extent that, according to Robert Lethem and others, that the Eastern error, so-called, would be to emphasize the threeness of God too much. That you, uh, you speak of the three as if they are in opposition to one another. And I think a lot of high church and, and even Catholic theology can fall into that because you, you kind of feel like you got to play the spirit and the father and the son against mm-hmm. each other. Like if I want to get God to do something for me, I'm going to go talk to Jesus. And like, there's a right way to understand that, but there's also this wrong way that says, well, this, the father doesn't want to, but the, the spirit does. And Jesus maybe does. And it's like, that, no, 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 that's not how you it works. Go between there, mom and dad like that. It's not, yeah. And, and, and they mean, are like, one, like, you yes. know, the, the father contains the son and the spirit and their and, character and, is know, the same. They're, yes. They're, you know, yeah. So that's, that's not good. Good. And I think when uh, sometimes in our prayers, we can speak that way, uh, where hmm. we start to just kind of talk about them so distinct from one another, we forget that they are, in fact, one mm. and that we do serve one God. But then there's also what's called the Western error. And I think this is fair that Westerners have a tendency to emphasize the unity of God to the mm. exclusion of the threeness of God. There sure. are some of you that don't even like me using the phrase the threeness of God. Because it, well, we know God is one. Yes, but God is three. He is three persons. Right. There's one God and three persons. And God is, we, we're really good at saying, you know, three in one. But it's also one in three. Mm-hmm. One as three might be better to, to say that. Uh, because we so serve the an example, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Practically, what's an example of like, if I want to avoid that, Tyler, how can I avoid that? What is a way that I could talk about God that would somehow like make that mistake of of kind of glomming the three persons together mistakenly? When you treat Jesus as just another man and you don't mm. treat him as divine, mm-hmm. when you say we have God and then there's Jesus, my homeboy, and then the Holy Spirit makes the party really exciting, like right. that that's not high theology. That's right. that's treating that we have one God, the Father, or when you kind of speak about them interchangeably, uh, that that's not good either. They are distinct persons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we really want to get technical about it, you pray to God, the father through in the name of Jesus Christ by the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And I think that every now and then it's appropriate to come back and remind ourselves that, that we use Trinitarian language in the way we talk and in the way we preach. Or sometimes when we talk Jesus about... Jesus' name isn't just a sign-off. Right. It's, it's like we're, we're saying... Do you know what I mean? You like, saturate your worship yes. and your language. And right, right. I think sometimes we can preach that uh, Jesus was the was the Son of God and, and we talk about Jesus as if he's less than, as if uh-huh. he's like sub-God uh-huh. or like, a, you yes. know... A, I don't know what the a technical term would be. Does he's a he's a, a step lower than God the Father? Yep, yep. He was only a step lower than God the Father while he was on the earth in his in his flesh in his incarnation. But now he's ascended back to the glory he had of the Father from the from the beginning of the world. So if you never as, ascribe divine terms to Jesus or to the Holy Spirit, when's the last time you you Holy Spirit our God? 
that can just kind of sound strange in, in your mouth if you're not careful. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's, hmm. there's lots of ways to do this. That huh. yeah, I think yeah, yeah. It, more than anything else, it becomes a neglect that we, we talk about God as the one we worship and Jesus is the one who saved us and the Holy Spirit is the one who, you know, does things for us and he kind of, sometimes he just sort of hangs out in the background. But, you know, there is a vibrant in our language ought to be an interplay of three and one and one and three and God the Father, Son and Holy Ghost. And that's how, if you're here and you were baptized in an Orthodox church, you were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, so that ought to saturate all of our language and the way that we, we speak. And I challenge every pastor here to, uh, preach in such a way that the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son all come through together. Mm. That uh, people recognize, oh yeah. And I found that when you do that, people get real excited. When you point out the passages in the Bible that have a Trinitarian feel to them or that uses three language, uh-huh. not not just the single language. And I think we grasp that. Most people can grasp that there's one God. They, where they get tripped up is the idea that there are three persons. I think it's easier for the average Westerner to believe in a single monad of a God, and it's harder for them to believe in the the threeness and the three persons. Here's a concern that might not come to pass, but can I just put it out there? As Christians seem to increasingly want to unite with Muslims and Jews on moral issues. Mm-hmm. We cannot budge on this one. Yes. If this becomes a sticking point, well, you know, we're going to pray in the name of God, but we're not going to talk about Jesus or we're not going to speak in triune language. It's like, no, no, we have to be a witness and a light to these that are walking in darkness. So uh, you need this. I, I want more songs with the Trinity in it. Mm-hmm. I, I want more sermons with the Trinity. I, I want more Christians becoming comfortable discussing it this way and that's why we're, we're doing this podcast so and like um, you said Tyler yes, it's, go it's, you got to remember this is this is your heritage and I think we we broadly as the church today mo- the modern church and I think also maybe we more narrowly like us our Calvary Chapel friends that we're talking to right we can sometimes make this mistake like you said of having this bad taste in our mouths and saying well mm, that sounds like Catholic stuff or mm, that sounds like traditional stuff right and well, I just want to love Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and, and I know why we do that, guys. I get it because you know what? There's a lot of bad things that have been corrupted or happened through you know church tradition and things like that. But 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 we have to be able to separate out the 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 meat from those bones and realize that the Trinity is not one of those things. The Trinity yeah. is not heaven forbid. The Trinity is not a Catholic thing. The the way that the church has expressed these things throughout history, that's not the problem. That's not why we're not Catholic. Right? Yeah, we're no. not Catholic because we don't believe in, you know, we don't, we don't believe in venerating Mary and we don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist and we don't believe in purgatory those things. or the Pope yeah, as the vicar of yeah, Christ. Yeah, like, like that's why you're not Don't Catholic. throw out the Trinity with all that. Right. And, and, and gracious. I, I want to point out that like, that's why studying church history is good is because it shows you, oh. You can't let Catholics claim all of church history. Right, right. Yeah, no, for real. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and I just, I'll even say too, uh, the reformers, part of their problem yes. was that the uh, the Catholic Church had deviated from what the church had always taught. That's what they were constantly saying. They, they were saying, out, wait right? a minute, you're, you've innovated. You're right. adding things. I mean, you read Luther and yeah. you read Erasmus. And, and these said, other guys. Say, where is this in the book? Yeah, you know, they're saying, we, yeah. you have innovated uh-huh. your doctrine of the Pope. And you've. You've innovated your doctrine of the Pope, and you've innovated purgatory, and you've innovated all this crazy stuff that uh, that we don't believe in. The Trinity has always been part of our heritage, so don't don't think you can just cast this aside easily. And uh, I'll say too, 
you know, I was, I said it kind of flippantly, but I, I want to address it more seriously. Sometimes you talk about this stuff and people say, look, man, just, just love Jesus. Just love, that's all that really matters. <sighs> yes and no. Because a lot of the things you assume when you say, just love Jesus, there is doctrine behind that. There is, do- oh, I just want to love Jesus. Well, why do you think that's going to do anything for you? Right. Well, because we believe that if you believe in Jesus, you get to go to heaven. Why? Because the Father sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. (laughs) Okay, well, why should that matter? Well, because Jesus was the Son of God. He was God and man, so he could die for everybody. That's the hypostatic union. Yeah, right, right, right. You're just throwing it out there easily. Good, because it's so baked in, but you can't forget that it's it's part of you. And I I just, I love talking about this thing, and I want to get into so many other things here. But here's what I want to bring it to at the end here, Zach, of this podcast. I want to talk for a little bit about why this is an essential doctrine of the church. There are many that want to say, look, I don't believe in the Trinity, but I still believe in Jesus and I'm still a Christian. No, 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 no. That is not how this works. Mm-hmm. You, there is, And the reason being, if you look at what the doctrine of the Trinity actually is, mm-hmm. to deny that is to deny the gospel itself. And here's what I'll say. To those of you that are out there listening saying, look, I believe in the gospel. I don't believe in the Trinity. I think you you probably believe more of the Trinity than you think you do. I think that mm. you are assuming things that can only be true if the Trinity is true. I think if you Mostly come in... Mostly around salvation, right? Yes. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, let's look at these things here. Uh, well, can I, can I deny the Trinity and be a Christian? No, you cannot. Here's why. Mm. Let's look at the pieces of it. We worship one God. Right. Zach, if you believe in more than one God... You're not a Christian. You're not saved. No, you're something else. You're some <laughs> sort of you're, so yeah. You're, you're a heretic. Not. Nobody, nobody, no pastor that I want to be around would have somebody come in and say, "Hey, I believe in three gods," and, and say, "Oh, that's cool. That's okay. You're you're still part of us." No, that's that's heretical. That's yeah, correct. part of being uh, you know a Christian in Nepal or India or any of those places. That, yeah. You're you're denying all these other uh-huh. gods. I mean, that's Paul went to Athens to preach against the futility of idols. That we're there is only one God. So and. For those that would accuse Trinitarians of believing in multiple gods, no, we do not. We absolutely and specifically do not. So if you're going to come in and deny that, well, I believe that there's there's three gods or there's more than... Here's the thing. I've not encountered many of these people. If you come across somebody who says, I believe in three gods, they either don't know what they're talking about or they are a raging heretic that has some other stuff that you maybe haven't heard about yet. Right, right, right. And this is a very commonly... I remember my atheist friend in school, I said, do you even know what Christians believe. So I know that Christians believe in God. And I said, no, we believe in the Trinity. So, well, yeah, that God created three deities to be his, his handwork. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God is three persons. Right, right? right. So that, that's the kind of thing that I mean, like you, you don't understand what you're talking about. Now, if you're saying, I don't believe in the Trinity, but I believe in, in one God. Okay, good. Let's move on to the next thing that there are three persons that are God, that the father is God, the son is God, and the spirit is God. Mm. Now, we're going to get into the Bible next time, but the short version is that th- this makes absolutely no sense if the, the Bible makes no sense if you're not going to believe this. But Zach, if you believe that the father of Jesus is not God, you're not a Christian. No, I mean, that's, that's I, how would that I, you're work? not even in the conversation at, no, at that not point, not at all, right? <laughs> right? How would that, even, even the people that, yeah, even people who deny other aspects of the Trinity accept that, right? Everybody know. well, what would that be then? So, so Jesus is God, but the father is what? Like, that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, so I guess maybe that's an if easy you, one. you get into like a, uh, you know, folks that believe there's a difference between the father of the Old Testament and the father of the New Testament. Ooh, that's actually, mm, uh, yes, maybe that's that would true. Be this and person. that's a weird 
That's a weird but thing. That's, starting that's to come not back Christianity. Now. No, that's, it's not true. That's always, yeah. but that, you know, what's interesting. That idea is very often tied to like occultic things to like, it's, it's very often guys uh, that believe in some like well, cause it's magical. Of, I think it's also connected stuff. to like a Gnostic thing too, because yes, there's this Gnosticism. Gnostic belief that there's an old, I think it's called the Demiurge, like an old, yes. mm-hmm. an old bad God and a new good God or something. If you saw the movie, if you saw the movie Noah with Russell Crowe. Uh, the creator oh, in, in that movie is portrayed as the bad guy that's going to kill everybody, but there's going to be, you know, there's going to be another one who's going to come later and he's going to teach us how to get, that, that, that's, Which is Gnostic, that's yeah. Kabbalistic, Gnostic, right. you know, Old Testament God bad, New Testament God good. Yeah. That's, so, so no, yeah, you can't be a Christian if you no. believe that, right? All right. Okay, go on. So then if you don't believe that Jesus, the son is God, you're not a Christian. Now this and is where people we've got to hit this hard. Yes, we do because, because I feel this like is where this people is a, will start to fight you, and they're wrong. I can but hear people, people hear Christians to, being soft on this. Like, yes, why? I mean, you, you ask a Christian, do you believe that Jesus is God? There should be a quick, no hesitation, immediate yes. Like, of course, we believe Jesus is God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, but you will meet this person well, more often. The, these, well, because we've in America, we've been saturated with a sort of like milk and water sort of you know set of doctrines for such a long time with all these like you know this is where you'll talk to somebody where they're a very sweet nice old lady who's teaching at a church you know it's in the middle of town somewhere and and you start trying to ask them questions about what they believe and you can't get a straight answer on anything and i'm not trying to be mean or nasty when i say that i'm just describing like there are many many people in america who would call themselves christians but if you try to ask them what does that actually mean and you ask something like, well, do you believe Jesus is God? They don't have, they don't really even know why that's an important question, right? Yes. Like that's, that's where it's, it's beyond just that they, they don't accept it. They're not even sure why that's important, right? And so, yeah, I, of course, like guys, if Jesus isn't God, then we are of all people most to be pitied. What are we doing? Yeah, like the, if, if Jesus isn't God, then there's no salvation. There's no future hope. There's no, you know, what, what am I going to do with my sins? What is the point of all this? If Jesus is just a great moral teacher, uh, surely we've gotten over this argument now that if Jesus, just, well, Jesus is just a great moral teacher. No, he's not. No, but I mean, you hate to pick on him again, but like, oh, go for know, it. Jordan Peterson yeah, yeah. loves to talk about Jesus. If he does not believe that Jesus is God and confess him as the one who came from the father and died on the cross for sins, he's, he's, he's going to hell. Because you have you can't just admire Jesus' teaching. He's God, very God, as the creed says. And that's what it means to be a Christian. I mean, at the most basic level, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was a God. He was a created being. Or people that believe that Jesus was the greatest of all men, and then God brought him to his right-hand side. No, no. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That means Jesus was God at the beginning meaning before there was anything. It doesn't mean he happened first. It means that he has always been and has always been God. So if you yes. don't believe that, no. If you don't believe the Holy Spirit is God, then you're not a believer because Jesus said to blaspheme the Son will be forgiven, but to blaspheme the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Mm. So I, I kind of think Jesus might have thrown that phrase in there just to guard against people that would would neglect the Holy Spirit. That's important, right? And you've and that's another thing we've got, we've got to be so careful. I, th- I think this is the one that we... In our circles, maybe we need to be careful of right now. I, I can see other believers that really are, are toying right with the idea that, well, maybe Jesus is just a good guy and we need to, you know, and God is so far off that we can't really check any of our thoughts on him anyway, so it doesn't matter, which of course is all craziness. But yeah, I agree. Like if, if you, and maybe this is why I think Tyler, both of us have felt that lately we need to teach a little more strongly than we otherwise would on the deity and person of the Holy Spirit. 
just to like, just to make sure, you know, just to check ourselves and encourage us. Hey guys, this is true of the Holy Spirit. We do need to make sure that we don't, not by coming out and saying the wrong thing, but just by neglect that we don't right. exemplify to Holy people. Spirit. Yeah. We don't want to yeah. exemplify to people a two person, you know, that's not a Trinity. So, yeah. so it, and, it, and all of your interaction as a Christian with God happens through the Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell oh, within you. Say, that, is no, the, no, no, say all, that again. All of your interaction yes. with God as a Christian takes place through the Holy Spirit. Yes. Jesus That's sent true. the Holy Spirit to be with us, to dwell yeah. in us, to come upon us in power, and to teach us. He said, I'm going to my Father, but I will send you. Yes. So You're, the person, when you pray, this is why we, and this is maybe, I remember we said we were going to be charitable and not say not dunk on people unfairly. This would be an unfair dunk to do this. But when we say that Jesus comes to live in your heart, that's that's not wrong, of course, because we're not dividing the verses. But it's also like the Holy Spirit is who indwells The Holy you. Spirit indwells you. So we don't want to confuse the person. He is either. the Spirit of Christ. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But right. But that's that's the experience you're having when you, the small, the still small voice of the Lord in your inside of your spirit is the Holy Spirit. When you when you hear when you discern something, that's the Holy Spirit. When you when you're reminded, when you're told that wasn't right, you need to go back and that's the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And next time we'll look in detail at the passages, but I mean, First mm. Corinthians chapter two it is John chapter one for the Holy Spirit. He okay. says, the the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So th there is no attribute of God that is denied to the Holy Spirit. And if you're going to deny the Spirit, then you're you're not a believer. You're you're in sin and you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. This is actually, you know, Americans, we don't really believe in blasphemy much. But blasphemy is a sin. And it's the one kind of sin that Jesus said would not be forgiven. And it concerns the Holy Spirit. So if you are the kind of person that likes to talk small and talk down about the Holy Spirit, you ought to be concerned. Mm. Okay, so here's our hypothetical person. He says, I don't believe in the Trinity, but I believe in the gospel. All right, hold on a second. We believe in one God. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God? You might say yes, yes, and yes. If you deny any of those things, then you're, you're not with us on this one. And number three, we believe that these three are distinct from one another. We do not confound the persons. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. This is where we reach a whole other kind of people that have false teaching on this issue. The Bible makes absolutely no sense if Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are the same person. And also, right. I would say right. that right. the gospel starts to fall apart if oh, you deny this. Not even a little bit. It, it becomes nonsensical. There's no meaning to what's going on. If, if you don't believe that those are different people involved, uh, different people. Yeah, Let different persons, yeah, the same right. substance. Yes, yes, right. Thank you. Um, if you don't believe, in other words, that God really, truly is sacrificing his son really truly not just the the image of god and the image of the son or god as the god as the father and god as the son no god is who is jesus praying to when he says why have you forsaken me yeah father who, who, my god my if, god if that's why not have you a real experience me? if he's just making that like who is he praying to he's praying to his father who is at that moment forsaking him yeah. You know, that, 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 that has to have meaning. That has to mean something. Who is Jesus sending when he's sending the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. It's not nobody. And, and it can't be himself because he goes to great lengths to explain to his disciples who didn't really get it. Guys, it's not me. I'm leaving. I am going and I am yeah. sending. Now, the immediate response is, well, Jesus said the Father and I are one. Yes, but that is what we agree, that there is one God. But even that one sentence, think, consider it for a second. I and the Father are one. You don't say are one. 
Like, if, unless you're talking in a, in a Trinitarian context, you have more than one person united together. He's placing himself into the Shema. Another passage, he'll say, the father is greater than I. So you can't just pick one and say, that's my favorite and not look at the other one. Right. The only way you're able to reconcile all of this is through the Trinity. Mm-hmm. But consider this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Did God not send his son? Mm. If you don't believe God didn't that you don't believe God sent his son, what is the gospel to you then? Mm-hmm. If you don't believe that Jesus on the cross took the wrath of the Father on himself, then what exactly do you believe happened on the cross? And this is why all of these groups that deny the Trinity become so legalistic. Because they believe that you have to work to earn your salvation. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't believe that Jesus was the propitiation of the wrath of God on the cross, then you've got to find another way to be saved. Mm -hmm. Romans 3 says that God put forth Jesus as a propitiation for us all so that he could be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the name in which you're baptized. But it's really... These people are all the same. Uh, The Holy Spirit really isn't anything. And that Jesus was the Father. Here's a whole other question. What is the incarnation then? Mm. When Jesus came down to the earth and he engaged in that hypostatic union of becoming God and man, all in one, that, you know, both hypostases, both substances of God and man together. Well, then that tells us that Jesus did not live on the earth as a man. Because that means that he had to have been executing all of his divine prerogatives while he was on earth. If you're a Trinitarian, what you believe is Jesus came and emptied himself, kenosis. He did not exercise his omnipotence, his omniscience, all those things while he was on the earth. He had to live as a man Mm -hmm. to be an appropriate sacrifice for sin. But if you believe that God, the Father, was the one on the earth then that means he was executing omnipotence and holding the world together and omniscience, but not his omnipresence. So how do you reconcile that? That means that he was not an appropriate sacrifice for sin. And that when Jesus ascended to the father, to the glory he had before, that statement means nothing. Right. You, you completely it's gutted just, the gospel. A, it's just a charade at that point. He's just telling you, well, you're making Jesus a liar by saying that he said a lot of things that weren't true. That, that's a benefit. whole other issue to consider. Do you see right? what I'm saying? He's just, he said... Oh, well, I'm going to the Father, but there's no, like he said, I'm going to the Father, but there's no, there's no reality to that. It's made up. Yes. And that's not like, I don't understand why, that's why we're, if you're, if it sounds like we're being strong, we are. This is vital. This is what Christianity is. And so if you're, if you're going against that and saying, but I can still be a Christian, well, you can still call yourself lots of things. And I'm not saying that in, you know, a harsh way I'm saying, but, but what is a Christian? You know, the right. definition of a Christian is a person who is de- depending on the Trinity for their salvation. So so I, I would argue, no, friend, I don't believe that you can be a Christian in a meaningful sense and deny this doctrine. No, and I, I mean, another question just to ask you is when it says in John 14 that Jesus, knowing he had come from God and was going back to God, what does that mean? Does that mean anything? If words mean anything, it means that Jesus came from a person and is going back to a person. But what people say, well, that can't be true because God is one. But y'all, we solved this seventeen hundred years <laughs> right. ago. This is a solved and it's the issue. Trinity. And that I I know that there are people hearing this and they go, 
look, I, I believe that Jesus took the wrath of God, but your, your position makes no sense. And I'm telling you, and we're going to show you from the scriptures in the next podcast, and we're going to lay out the definition. I believe there are some people that believe they deny the Trinity, and yet they're going to realize everything they're saying is exactly what the Bible teaches. Then I'm welcoming you to come and be part of the family mm. and be part of this. But I, I, this is why we say it's an essential doctrine. This is because anytime you start messing with this, every cult, every uh, strange group is going to mess with the doctrine of Christ, which is part of the doctrine of the Trinity. There's a whole other thing we can talk about, about Jesus bringing us to God and being found in Christ and having new relationship with the Father. I, I don't even know what what a, a Unitarian would believe about the Incarnation, if it even means anything. But it's not enough well, just to affirm Jesus. what a Unitarian would believe, and there's not a lot. They don't, yeah, they <laughs> there's don't affirm much, There's not a lot much, of things they? they would affirm, so. Um, but, um, I'll, you know, I'll yeah. say everything the Bible teaches points us in this direction. Yeah. It gives us all of the pieces that we've gone through, and we're going to look at them in actually the scriptures next time. But the only way to reconcile all these things is through something called the Trinity. It is the best and only way that is available to us to properly accommodate all of the biblical data that we are given about the nature of God, the nature of Jesus Christ. And it's wonderful. It's glorious that that's our yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three in one, one as three. It's, it's brilliant. We worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither dividing the substance nor confounding the persons. We don't confuse the Father and the Son mm -hmm. and the Spirit, and we don't divide them up into three pieces. And those are the dangers. Mm -hmm. So we're coming out and stating, though we we believe this that does not enter into either one of those dangers, and that's been the church's position since the beginning. And if you if you cannot affirm that, then you need to take a hard look and say, what do I really believe that yeah. Jesus did for me on the cross? Because yeah, the Bible has explained it to us. And if you're going to say, well, that's all just. Uh, phenomenal language, meaning they're just writing it in such a way so that we could grasp it. I can't accept that because mm. it is, you're saying that what the Bible asserts about God, it does not mean. And that is the definition of false teaching. Yeah. You're denying what scripture says. Well, guys, man, we got a lot in here. <laughs> There's going to be a lot that we're still going to have to cover. Yeah, um, it's hard to really get into one piece of this without getting all into all of it, which is why you, maybe you felt this pull back a few times, but I think we found it by, by the end. Yeah. Here yeah. <laughs> well, well, and also, you know, it's like you said, there's, there's so much in here. There's it's church history. It's, it's theology. It's, it's exegesis of scripture. It's talking about other, you know, sets of beliefs that we don't hold like different cults or different religions. So there's a bunch of different things we're going to cover. This is going to be really, really fun. Hopefully we gave you at least a starting foundation of, okay, this is what we're, we need to get to this, right? This is what is it. We've got to affirm this. Okay. And then we're going to kind of move on from that and build on that foundation of, okay, what does that mean for us practically? Um, you know, what, what other stuff are we talking about, Tyler, is in the next couple of We're going to do the biblical evidence is going to be the next one. And then as we have it planned, it changes sometimes, but yeah. we're going to talk about the ontology of the Trinity, the nature of God, like really dive into what are the definitions mm -hmm. of who God is. Then we're going to look at the economy of the Trinity, which is what God does, the different, uh, di different functions of the, of the Trinity, the work of the Holy Spirit and God mm -hmm. the Son and God the Father. We're going to take a whole episode to talk about Jesus, the Christology of this, because that, that's its own subject. Yeah. Um, we're going to spend some time uh, addressing some apologetics issues about the different groups that are opposed to this. And then uh, I think we ought to take some time at the end and just look at uh, how does this look? How does this look like practically in the Christian mm -hmm. life? And there's yeah. a lot of really fun things we can get into for yeah, that. So for sure. thanks for turning, tuning in, guys. We will see y'all next time here on the Ironworks podcast. Please don't forget that available on our website and on Amazon, uh, the new book, Difference Makers, is out. And uh, we really appreciate you guys supporting us in that way. We'll talk to y'all soon.